Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Michael Chastain, a criminal defense attorney, coach, radio host, and the author of five books, including Legalese, The Ultimate Guide on How to Survive a Law Practice. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about doing this. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So tell us about your background and your coaching practice. Go way back. I graduated from law school back in 1985. I worked for the Santa Clara County Public Defender's Office. That's in San Jose, California, for about 17 years. Moved to Sacramento during the dot-com boom when things were really crazy in the Bay Area. Worked for another firm for a while and in 2007 opened my own practice. and. Staggered along for quite a while without really understanding fundamentals of business, because that's just something they don't teach you in law school. Got serious about it and began to engage mentors and invest in programs and ultimately was able to build our firm to being seven figures, being very successful. And then at the end of 2021, I sold the firm and... I have stayed on as of counsel. I had some cases that I had to clean up. As a matter of fact, I just finished my last jury trial a couple of weeks ago. And now what I'm doing is I'm of counsel to the firm that I started and consult with them. And then I consult with other small and solo law firms to help them with the business side of things. I mean, I can also help them with the strategy of cases, but generally we work on becoming more productive, more profitable. And in some cases, setting them up so that they can also sell their firm, which is a real bonus. So why did you ultimately transition from practice into coaching and speaking after so many years? So I've been practicing for over 37 years, and I'm kind of in the category of been there, done that. There's a lot of other things that I wanted to do, and I didn't want to wait until I was physically unable. So we moved to Santa Fe. We live an hour from the ski resort. There's great mountain biking here, really nice piece of property. And so there's a lot of other things that I just wanted to do that didn't include having to go to court and having that nine to five stress. So that was really why I made that decision that the timing was right. We were in a position where we could sell it. And and I was ready to get out of California and move to Santa Fe. I mean, Santa Fe is just a wonderful place. What are the challenges that solo practitioners and small firm leaders have in growing their practices, particularly in the current market? The biggest challenge, I think, for most small and solo firm owners is they get in their own way. They don't let go of the things that they don't need to do. I've been there. I've gone from being, at one point, I was a, what I call a super solo. I did it all myself. I did all my own accounting. I did my bookkeeping, answered my own phones and all of that. and. That's just not a productive way to run any business. If you can pay somebody 20 bucks an hour or something to do your bookkeeping, why are you doing it? Nowadays, I bill at 600 an hour, but even back then at 300 an hour, it it made absolutely no sense for me to do it. And I wasn't particularly good at it. So the direct answer to your question is the ability to let go and let other people work for you without micromanaging them. Give them guidelines, tell them how to how you want it done, and then let them do it and then verify it. Make sure that they're getting the process done. Don't manage the how, manage the results. 
You talk a lot about developing systems to grow a legal practice. Why is it important to measure your efforts beyond billable hours? You can't determine whether you're progressing and moving forward if you don't measure what you're doing. So by having clear data and metrics, KPIs, key performance indicators, you know where your problems are developing. So for example, when we talk about the the intake system, the lead part of the funnel, there's how many calls are coming in. And many firms think that that's the end all be all. You know, we got 100 calls coming in. But the question is, how well are you converting those? So the calls are coming in. Are they qualified calls? Are they calls that are things that you actually do? How many of those people are actually setting appointments? How many of those appointments are actually showing up? And how many of them are hiring? Once you start to get the metrics of that and know for your particular business or firm what those numbers should be, then it's really easy to identify when there's a problem. So if your show rate dropped, and I just went over this with our firm the other day, our show rate typically was around 90%. It's dropped to 60. And so I'm I'm asking the question, well, what has changed? Well, it turned out that they did started doing something different. And I'm like, well, stop doing that because you got a 30% reduction in show rate. As opposed to trying to reinvent the entire wheel, those metrics really give you a key to where the problem is and where your focus needs to be. And so that's part of it also, when you're looking at the long-term, if you want to sell your firm, what are you selling? And can you show why your firm is worth the money that you're asking? And that's all part of those metrics. How does wellness impact the success of a law practice? So what do lawyers get paid for? They get paid for finding solutions to problems that their clients have created or that they're dealing with, whether it's a criminal problem or a business problem or a family law problem or immigration, it doesn't matter. And so what they're paying for is your ability to come up with solutions within the law to rectify that problem. Well, this all comes back to peak performance. How do you perform at your highest level? And being of good health, good mental health, good physical health, getting enough sleep, good diet, good exercise, all of those things are are really critical to peak performance. And that's the real value of a lawyer. It's not, you know, walking into court. Anybody can do that. It's how do you perform in front of that jury or in front of that judge? How well do you negotiate? So I think health and wellness are critical components of performing at your very best. What are the most common mistakes that you see lawyers make in running their firms? One, they get in their own way. They micromanage everything and and don't let uh, people actually do the work for them. I think that's one big thing. Two is they get busy as opposed to productive. And those are two really different things. So in Atomic Habits, for example, they make a big deal out of the difference between being busy and being productive. It's real easy to be busy and it's actually kind of satisfying to be busy, but being busy isn't being productive. So learning the difference between those two. And then I think the 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 third thing that made a huge difference in my practice was learning to say no. No to the clients that I knew were not going to be a good fit or weren't going to pay or or just wasn't something that I wanted to do. So and having the courage and the confidence to know that if I say no to this client, that's tomorrow a better client will walk through the door. And you just have to be willing to do that. And that's real scary, especially for a small firm that's maybe struggling to make their monthly 
overhead, but it's the key to becoming profitable. Doing work for people that aren't paying you, that's never profitable. What should solo and small firm lawyers be considering when thinking about selling their practice? Well, data collection is kind of the first thing is what are you actually selling and how do you demonstrate that? So again, this is part of, you know, integrates back to what what you were just talking about, the importance of having systems. If everything was revolved around Mike, when I'm selling my firm, if it all revolved around me and I'm leaving, then what am I selling? Nothing, right? What we put into place is a whole series of systems and scripts Everything that happens in our office has a script and a protocol. And that's what he bought. I mean, he bought the name and he bought the website and all of those things had value um, because that website was well over a decade old and had a real presence with uh, Google and all of that reputation and the client list. But really what he was purchasing was the systems that worked. And And I told Martin when he bought it, I said, you know, if you just do what I did, you just follow the script you'll do a million dollars your very first year. And he came really, really close. He was just a hair short because he changed a few things that he shouldn't have changed. And we had to kind of bring it back. But for a first year owner, that I mean, that's those numbers were remarkable. Can you share a few best practices for lawyers to find success in any economic climate? So the number one thing that every lawyer should be doing, in my opinion, is reading. You should read every single day. It doesn't matter what you read, fiction, nonfiction, Tom Clancy, Stephen King, or self-help books, doesn't matter. And the reason that it's important to to read is, is the recognition that not everybody thinks the way you think. Not everybody thinks the way I think. As a matter of fact, we can safely say that half of this country doesn't think the way I think. Doesn't matter what side of the political climate you're on, half the country thinks in a different way than I do. So... Understanding how other people think and respond is really critical in trying to be persuasive and to get them to do what you want them to do or what your client wants them to do. It also teaches you how to tell stories, which is a really critical part of being successful, whether you're in sales or um, trying to persuade somebody to, to buy something or to do something for you. So I think reading is really critical. It's a, it's, it's a long-term habit. It's not, you know, one and done. You need to read every single day. Two, you got to take good care of yourself physically. This is a hard job, very stressful. The other thing is that you need to take time to think. You need to really not just be busy, but think about what is it you're doing? What is it you're trying to accomplish? And then what's the best route to get there? Running enthusiastically in the wrong direction is not the, the formula for success. Understanding what direction you need to go and asking the right questions, really, really important to being successful. So none of that, and what you'll note is that none of this has anything to do with the law. The law is just the the mechanism. And I assume that any lawyer who's been to law school and has been practicing for a while is probably competent in their practice. That's not the distinguishing factor. The distinguishing factor is how are you running your business and how are you taking care of yourself? And how are you improving every day? Are you getting better at what you're doing or are you just status quo? Because you're either going forward or you're going backwards. There's no staying the same. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Michael Chastain, a criminal defense attorney, coach, radio host, and the author of five books, including Legalese, The Ultimate Guide on How to Survive a Law Practice. Mike, thanks so much. 
Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.